God, tonight we thank you. We bless your name, we praise you, we magnify you. Indeed, you are worthy to be praised. We thank you tonight for bringing us together. You said that where two or three of us are gathered together, there you are in our midst. We thank you tonight because we know that our gathering is unto your name. And so, Lord, we bless and honor you. We praise you. Thank you, Father God, for this privilege. We thank you now for your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. We bless your name now and forever, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please take your seats. Take your seats. Thank you so much. Thank you, Selwyn, Melissa, Corey. Thank you guys so much. Amen. This is the last book, or rather, last chapter of the book of Hebrews. And from next week, I believe, we're going to be uh, switching on to biblical parenting. Uh, we're going to be talking about this on Sunday morning to just ask all of us to not only come, but bring other parents with us. Very, very, very insightful. Uh, we went through that entire teaching, uh, I think the first week of July, in our Good Sim conference here in Atlanta. Uh, it's something we've not done ever in this church, but we really need to do it because not only does God have a plan for us as individuals, but as we'll find out later on, maybe perhaps even in Hebrews 13, he has a plan for our families. And he has a plan for how he intends for us to raise our children. And uh, so really, I just want to throw that out there. That starts next Wednesday night. And it's going to run for six weeks. So tonight we're going to close up with Hebrews chapter 13. And I just want to quickly make a reference to a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. That's interesting. Chapter 13, verse 13. <laughs> 13, 13. Okay. This is what Paul says. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, in the first 10 chapters of Hebrews, Paul lays down for us in a very practical line upon line precept upon precept, if you will, the doctrines of, of Christ. Make all the comparisons between the old covenant and the new covenant and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, how much more is superior than Moses, than the angels, and the high priestly ministry of Aaron, and on and on and on and on and on. And so now in the last three chapters, chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 13, it begins to address some practical issues. In the scripture I just read to you in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, Now abided faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of this is love. So what did he do? He took one chapter each for each one of those three things. In chapter 11, he addresses faith. In chapter 12, he addresses hope. And then in chapter 13, the one we are looking at tonight, this closing chapter in the book of Hebrews, he addresses love. And he has already told us that of these three, faith, hope, and love, that love is the greatest. So we know that already. Now, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. 
Remember, the prisoners as if changed with them. Those who are mistreated. Since you yourselves are in the body also. Let me just take a pause here and <clears throat> establish something. For the most part, we hear about the things we need to do. We need to love. We need to have faith. Um, we need to give. And, and so it's all of the things that the Bible teaches us to do. If you are not careful, what happens is we put the doing, D-O-I-N-G, the doing, the doing of these things, the loving, the uh, walking in love, the uh, walking in faith. We put the doing as coming before the being. In other, for, in other words, what I do determine who I am. Are, are you following what I'm saying? And the opposite is that totally true. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, when the Bible says here in Hebrews 13, 1, that let brotherly love continue, what I'm going to find out is I will not be able to love the doing if I'm not first established in the being. The reason we have messages like that and we're encouraged and inspired for a day or two and we fall back to our old places is because we're trying to allow the doing to determine who we are. Rather than being established in who we are and as a result of who we are, we do. Do you, do you see the difference? Now, I'm going to bring this teaching back some other time with graphs and illustration to really make it plain because this is, this is the crux of this whole matter. We need to really understand that. Now, <clears throat> if my mindset is in doing, then I'm back to works. I'm back to works. I cannot, I cannot allow the doing to, to become my mindset. Okay, a dog, what do they do? They bark. Do they think about barking? Do they, do they even, do they, no. They, they don't even have to put any effort into barking. Because they're a dog, they bark. Birds don't bark. Why? Because they're birds. So, what I'm saying here is this. The Bible says, let brotherly love continue. Why are we not able to love one another? It's very simple. It's very simple. The loving of one another is the effect of some other things that must have taken place before the effect can show up. So this is what happens. And I wish I had a chalkboard to really show this to you tonight. We have, we have to have one, two, three, four, four categories of things that must take place. I mean, three really before the loving can happen. Number one, I need to know who God is. Who God is. The being of God. Number two, I need to know what God has done for me. Number three, I need to be established in who God is, what he has done for me, and as a result of what he has done for me, who I am now. The being. 
Now, as a result of me understanding who God is, what he has done for me, and how my life has been impacted by who he is and what he has done for me, as a result of me being established in that I'm being, I'm being, now, the natural art flow of that is I can do. Do you follow what I'm saying? If I don't have a clarity and embracing of those first three things, I'm back at works. I cannot really live a life that's going to be fruitful. It's going to be frustrating because I'm going to start things and I can't finish it. I'm going to start things, I'm going to fall. I'm going to start things, I'm going to fail in them because I'm not, I'm, I'm not rooted and grounded on what makes me be able to do. You follow what I'm saying? Who is God? I need to define that. But you can never define God outside of his son, Jesus Christ, because the only way we know God is through Jesus. He is the full revelation of who God is. So first, God is a being, yes, and he has done something that I must be aware of through Jesus Christ in my life, forgiving my sins uh, by the blood, uh, saved me, healed me, made me whole. I need to embrace all of that, and as a result of that, he has grafted me to become a new creature new creation. I'm a new being. And now as a result of that, I can do. Okay, so this, this is the point I'm making. If I'm not able to love, then the question is not whether I heard what was said. The question is, do I know who God is? Do I know what God has done as a result of who he is? Do I know who I am now in Christ? <laughs> Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? It's huge. That's all what, where it begins. So any deficiency, anything that I'm not able to accomplish goes back to my believing and faith in those three things. Who is God? What has he done? And what has happened to me as a result of what he has done? Once I can settle that, I can move to the next column. So let brotherly love continue. How is that going to happen? I need to appreciate who God is. I need to understand that through God, Jesus Christ has done certain things. I need to understand that those things that Jesus has done has made me a new person. And now as a result of that, believing that as a result of that, I can carry this out. So if I have any deficiency in loving, the question is not what my brother has done, what my sister has done. The question is, how am I believing in who God is what he has done, and what has, what has made. Those are the questions we should be asking. Amen? That's a working formula and equation that we need to be addressing uh, as we go on. Okay. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So the, 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 the writer here is encouraging us not to forget to entertain strangers. And the reference in my Bible refers to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 35. Let's go there. Matthew 25 verse 35. If I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink, 
I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? Then he will say, when the, 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 goes on verse 8, when we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you, or when we see you sick or in prison and come to you. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. So the Bible is encouraging us here to be very quick in, to be sensitive to minister to the needs of people. Um, wow. I'm trying to see how to get to this without going through so much uh, stuff. He's talking about serving here. And when you look at all the things he mentioned, each one of those points, you and I, as unbelievers, were there. I was hungry, and you gave me food. You and I were hungry for the bread of life. He became the bread of life to us, to feed us, to give us spiritual food that keeps and sustains us. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. We were all thirsty. Thirsty for what? What does it mean to be thirsty? The, 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 the desire for the spirit of God. You and I were there. We did not know God. He gave us the bread of life. Not only that, he gave us the spirit of God. I was a stranger and you took me in. You and I, as unbelievers, were far away, the Bible says, from the commonwealth of Israel, far away from God. But because of the blood of Jesus, he's brought us near to himself. Okay? We were naked. He's clothed us with his robe of righteousness. We were sick. He's healed us. We were in prison. Bound in chains to sin. And he freed us. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. So the point here is, God is trying to remind you and I that when we see these needs, we should remember that at some point we were there. We've been hungry. We've been thirsty. We've been naked. And he's taking care of those things in our life. And so now, by extension, do not forget to entertain strangers. Now he goes on to say, by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. You, 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 you know, so we need to be, uh, and that's making reference to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. When God was on, the, on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah and stopped by there and Abraham not knowing who God was, but was open and hospitable, welcomed the angels, angels into his house and by so doing, the word of God came to his household that brought him into the promise that God made for him. Amen? Amen. Verse 3 says, remember the prisoners as if changed with them. We covered that earlier. In the sense that, remember those that are bound, those that are in bondage, those that are uh, going through oppression, persecution, whatever it may be. Remember them as if you yourself were chained with them because at some point in your life, you've been through what they are going through. Those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. Then goes on to talk about marriage here. It's honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators, adulterers, God will judge. Okay? I think that's self-explanatory. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. 
what can man do to me? So the Bible is saying in verse 5 here that we should be, we should let our conduct be without covetousness. In other words, let's be so trusting to know who God is, what he has done, and what we are as a result of that, and being assured and not being anxiety, knowing that God is looking out for us. And therefore, there's no need for me to be covetous about what my brother, my sister, or anybody else around me has. Amen? God is well able to supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So, we may boldly say, verse 6, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, you know, in that verse 6, I, I, I want to come back a little bit. He says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What causes fear? The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What causes fear? Lack of love. Lack of love. He nailed it. He nailed it. That's the only thing that causes fear. In Psalms 23, verse 6, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. It's not that the fear is not real. The danger is real. I see it, I perceive it. But the reason I'm not afraid, you're with me. You're with me. So whatever the issue is, I'm confident that because you're with me, you take care of it. But if I don't know who God is and what he has done through his son, Jesus, and therefore what I have as a result of those two things, then I'll be afraid we here. It goes back to those three things I said earlier. Consistently. I mean, that's why David is so amazing to me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know this is a valley and shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So here, the Hebrew writer says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Can you imagine as a parent, you're taking your three-year-old boy to the store and somebody threatens them. You think, I mean, they're not going to be afraid. They know daddy's here, mama is here. They're going to take care of business. That's, what, that's what's happening here. And that's the way God wants us to see him in every situation in our life. But you can only see that when you know who he is, what he has done, and what you are as a result of that. You are in Christ Jesus. Amen? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. So yes, back to the point. Fear is only reality in the absence of God's love. That's why First John says, perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. Okay? So if I'm afraid, it's an indication that the love of God is not perfected in me. Or it's not matured in me yet. It goes back to, I don't know who God is, I don't know what he has done, and I don't know who I am in him. All the time. Amen? So if I'm afraid, my prayer is not God remove the fear. That's a wrong prayer. If I'm afraid, my prayer is God, I want to know who you are. Open my eyes to the revelation of what you've done for me. Thank you for allowing me to know that I am hidden, my life is hidden in God, in Christ Jesus. That's what eliminates the fear. The, the fear is eliminated, eliminated by the displacement of revelation that comes into your life. Amen? 
Okay. Verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So, basically, encouraging us here to consider those who have delegated authority over our lives, particularly if they display good godly virtues, and that as a result of that, we should emulate them. We saw that in Hebrews chapter 12, where it talks about, uh, what do you say in verse 2? Um, Therefore, also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. Hebrews 13, 8. Powerful scripture. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do we believe that? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. Okay? Therefore, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have, been, which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Again, he's making reference back to the animals that were killed in the, in the old tabernacle and now making comparison with how Jesus came and fully fulfilled in type what those animals represented. Jesus himself was also crucified outside of the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him out of the camp bearing his reproach. For here we have no continued city, but we seek the one to come. Okay? We have no continued city. Talking about the fact that you and I are pilgrims on this earth and we are seeking the one to come, the new heavens and the new earth. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We're going to be dealing with this more later on in the Sunday services. Uh, we talked about all the uh, various dynamics of the kingdom of God, how the kingdom has a language, a sonish, it has uh, a culture, which is love, has an um, operating system, which is faith, and has an attitude, which is thanksgiving. Okay. So, in the Old Testament, those guys offer sacrifices, animal sacrifices. Here, you and I, in the New Covenant, we do not have to offer animal sacrifices. The sacrifice we give to God is praise and giving of thanks. Verse 16 says, But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Amen? Talking about being generous. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for the watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable for you. Verse 18. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. So Paul here, well, I believe he's the one that wrote this letter, uh, is asking the church to pray for him. To pray for him. 
you know, because when, when you lead, there are so many things that's coming against you that are trying to impede your ability to deliver the goods, to, de- to, 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 to do what God wants to do. So he's enjoining the congregation to join together with him to pray for them and uh, um, so that he can be restored back to them sooner to come to visit them. And then the final notes, the benediction to this whole book from verse 20. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of authorship, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, notice verse 20 sets up verse 21. The God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd, through the blood. See, he's going back to who God is, what he did, so that me and you can understand that again in being established. Verse 21, making us complete in every good work to do his will. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I've written to you in few words. Now, I don't know about that. I don't know how few these words are. 13 chapters. <laughs> in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, praise God, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. That's the book of Hebrews. Grace be to you all, amen. Grace be to you all, amen. Any questions or thoughts? <laughs> Everybody's looking at me. No questions, no thoughts? If I was asked the questions, do you guys have the answers? I won't put you on the spot. I won't do that. If we don't get anything else, get those four columns. Don't start with the doing. That's the wrong thing. You will be frustrated and you'll just find yourself going back over and over and over and over. You can only do out of being being is what leads to doing that is pleasing to God. But your being is out of God's doing because of God's being. My being is out of God's doing what he did through Jesus Christ based on who he is. And as a result of that being, I can do. So we always should go back to the source, God. Who is God? What has he done? How has that impacted me? And as a result of that impact, what am I supposed to be for God? Or do for God? And when we develop this message fuller later on, you're going to see three clear categories. Three clear things that we should, should, three or four. Yeah. Amen? Father, 
we cannot thank enough for your grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, Lord, you wrote something to us that we should all remember. You said for, in verse 4 that God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And so, Lord God, we thank you for that richness of your mercy. We partake of your grace, the abundance grace that is in you. Thanking you for all of the wonderful things that you have already done in and through the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. And as a result of all of those things now, God, we are established as children of the Most High God, no longer children of wrath. And so, as part of your family, we receive the ability, the enablement to love. Help us, Father God, to see each other as members of the same family. God, in the name of Jesus, open our eyes to our brothers and our sisters, whatever the situation that is around us, to begin to acknowledge and recognize that we are members of one family. You said in Ephesians chapter 3, that you are the Lord God in whom all the families in heaven and earth are named. And so, Lord God, I thank you because of what you've done, because of who I am in you, that God, we are all able to embrace one another and love one another. As Hebrews 31 says, that we allow brotherly love to continue. Help us, Lord, to not only love you, receive your love, but to love one another and serve one another. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you. We give you the honor and the glory, Lord. I pray for a refreshing upon every man and every woman that's here tonight. God, that in a place of despondency, you bring joy. In a place of frustration, you bring fulfillment. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a garment of praise to cover your people instead of the spirit of heaviness. The oil of joy instead of the spirit of mourning. Beauty instead of ashes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for progress at home, at work, in business, whatever they lay their hands upon. Thank you for your encouragement. Because of who we are in you as a result of what you've done in our lives. We embrace you. We thank you. We bless you. You are a great God. Thank you, Father. We honor you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Praise God.